<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Slow Burn Media and Bill Huffman present Who Killed? A podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you've had a great week. I wasn't able to finish my list of books, and I wanted to uh, conclude that episode so my listeners will be able to enjoy some of the books that I have been enjoying. And as I mentioned, I've been enthralled with audiobooks for the past two or so years, and I probably listen to at least three books per week. And I'm going to bring you some of my favorite nonfiction crime books that I've listened to over the past year. Again, these are arranged in no particular order, but I assure that each and every one of them has something that one of you will find interesting. And again, like I've said before, if you love true crime podcasts, such as Who Killed, you should absolutely download the Overdrive or Libby app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. And this will allow you to listen to audiobooks for free. All it takes is a local library card. This app has provided me thousands of hours of free entertainment and knowledge. So here's my short PSA once again. Go get a library card. It's free. So let's dive into the books that I loved so much that they made this list. And the next book that I recommend is a cybercrime, which I would love to see a movie about. Because this is not just a simple crime. There are so many moving parts. And I'm talking about American Kingpin, the epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road by Nick Bilton. And Goodread says, quote, The unbelievable true story of the man who built a billion-dollar online drug empire from his bedroom and almost got away with it. We're talking about the Silk Road, which was a website hosted on the dark web, where anyone could trade drugs, hacking software, counterfeit cash, poisons, and forged passports if you just so desired. And again, this was all supposed to be on the dark web, therefore nobody could be paying attention. It was only 10 years ago that Ross actually made the bold effort to create this online free market. And again, Ross's site was almost too popular because the media found out about a place where, according to the book's notes, Quote, not just teenagers and weed dealers, but terrorists and black hat hackers could buy and sell contraband detection free. Of course, parents were up in arms, understandably so, and they had asked the government for help. Now, what happened next was, quote, a two-year manhunt for the site's elusive proprietor with no leads, no witnesses, and no clear jurisdiction. All the investigators knew was that whoever was running the site called himself the Dread Pirate Roberts, unquote. 
Now, there have been estimates about the Silk Road value. Some people said it was around $1.2 billion. Uh, it's tough to say, again. But the book notes go on to say that, quote, Ross seemingly embraced his new role as a kingpin. He enlisted a loyal crew, crew of allies in high and low places, all as addicted to the danger and thrill of running an illegal marketplace as their customers were to the heroin they sold. Through his network, he got wind of the target on his back and took drastic steps to protect himself, including ordering a hit on a former employee. As Ross made plans to disappear forever, the feds raced against the clock to catch a man they weren't sure even existed, searching for a needle in the haystack of the global internet. Drawing on exclusive access to key players and two billion digital words and images Ross left behind, Vanity Fair correspondent and Nick and New York Times bestselling author Nick Bilton offers a tale filled with twists and turns, lucky breaks, and unbelievable close calls. There is a lot to take in there, but I would have to say that the investigation by the FBI was flawed, as some of the agents were actually stealing from the Silk Road in the form of Bitcoin. In a write-up from the Justice Department, quote, Two former federal agents have been charged with wire fraud, money laundering, and related offenses for stealing digital currency during their investigation of the Silk Road, an underground black market that allowed users to conduct illegal transactions over the Internet. Carl M. Force of Baltimore was a special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration, and Sean W. Bridges, 32, of Laurel, Maryland, was a special agent with the Secret Service. Both were assigned to the Baltimore Silk Road Task Force, which investigated illegal activity in the Silk Road marketplace. Force served as an undercover agent and was tasked with establishing communications with the target of the investigation. Ross Albrecht, a.k.a. Dread Pirate Roberts, Force is charged with wire fraud, theft of government property, money laundering, and conflicts of interest. Bridges is charged with a wire fraud and money laundering. Now, according to the complaint, Force was a DEA agent assigned to investigate the Silk Road marketplace. During his investigation, he engaged in a certain authorized undercover operations by, among other things, communicating online with Dread Pirate Roberts, the target of his investigation. Now, the complaint alleges, however, that Force then, without authority developed additional online personas, and engaged in a broad range of illegal activities calculated to bring him personal financial gain. In doing so, the complaint alleges, Force used fake online personas and engaged in complex Bitcoin transactions to steal from the government and the targets of the investigation. Specifically, Force allegedly solicited and received digital currency as part of the investigation, but failed to report his receipt of the funds and instead transferred the currency to his personal account. Smart. In one such transaction, Force allegedly sold information about the government's investigation to the target of the investigation. Wow, this guy is amazing. Bridges allegedly diverted to his personal account over $800,000 in digital currency that he gained during control of the Silk Road investigation. Wow. Winner. Winner, winner. The judge, this, this is one of the good things, Judge Seberg ordered that the sentence be served consecutively. 
And see, so he got two years. Basically, he's going to spend six years in jail. And it's insane to think that this guy was investigating Ross Albrecht, who is widely considered the most scary internet dark web mastermind. But in all reality, Ross was just a kid. I mean, he really was like a normal dude. And yeah, did he create a website that allowed you to buy drugs and other wild stuff on the internet? Sure, but does the punishment fit the crime? Well, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Because the judge gave Ross two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years without parole. Um, hmm, that's odd. He's a first-time offender. They were all nonviolent charges. And there's even a free Ross website called freeross.org. So if you want to get involved, please have at it because this is a definite injustice in America. And the site goes on to say Ross Albrecht is condemned to die in prison for creating an e-commerce website called Silk Road, an entrepreneur passionate about free markets and privacy. He was 26 when he made the site. He was never prosecuted for causing harm or bodily injury, and no victim was named at trial. Well, the time is now, in my opinion, for this young man to be released. Even if you think he deserved some time, I would bet you would agree that he's paid his dues. So, hello Biden, it's time for a pardon. This case gets me fired up because it's just an absolute shit show. I mean, yes, did he do this? Yes. Did the FBI investigate him and catch him with very incriminating evidence? Yes. But again, does the punishment fit the crime? No, I don't believe it does. And it is just ridiculous to think that this poor kid is sitting in prison for the rest of his life for, again, non-violent offenses. So the next time somebody gets witty with their, uh, you know, pardon pen, I'd say it's time to dot Ross Albrecht in there. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So other books that Nick Bilton has written were, uh, or the other one that I've read is Hatching Twitter, which is, again, all about the creation of the Twitter machine. And yeah, it's very fascinating and very much a tale of who who's on first because <laughs> you really kind of have to figure out throughout the book who actually did start Twitter. It's interesting. Anyway, check out American Kingpin. It is freaking awesome book and you will see some very shady misdeeds by our lovely government now moving on we're gonna go back to white collar crime and the book we are talking about is all the devils are here the hidden history of the financial crisis by bethany mclean and joe nasera quote hell is empty and all the devils are here, unquote. Shakespeare, the Tempest. The Goodread write-up says, As soon as the financial crisis erupted, the finger-pointing began. Should the blame fall on Wall Street, Main Street, or Pennsylvania Avenue? On greedy traders, misguided regulators, sleazy subprime companies, cowardly legislators, or clueless homebuyers? 
According to Bethany McLean and Joe Nocera, two of America's most acclaimed business journalists, the real answer is all of the above and more. Many devils helped bring hell to the economy, and the full story, in all of its complexity and detail, is like the legend of the blind men and the elephant. Almost everyone has missed the big picture. Almost no one put all the pieces together. All the Devils Are Here goes back several decades to weave the hidden history of the financial crisis in a way no previous book has done. It explores the motivations of everyone from famous CEOs, cabinet secretaries, and politicians to anonymous lenders, borrowers, analysts, and Wall Street traders. It delves into the powerful American mythology of homeownership, and it proves that the crisis ultimately wasn't about finance at all. It was about human nature. Among the devils you'll meet in vivid detail, according to Goodreads, one will be Angelo Mozillo, the CEO of Countrywide, who dreamed of spreading homeownership to the masses, only to succumb to the peer pressure and the outsized profits of the sleaziest subprime lending. Hank Greenberg, who built AIG into a Rube Goldberg contraption with an undeserved AAA rating and who ran it so tightly that he was the only one who knew where all the bodies were buried. And then Lloyd Blankfein, who helped turn Goldman Sachs from a culture that famously put clients first to one that made clients secondary to its bottom line. Again, Alan Greenspan, the legendary maestro of the Federal Reserve, who ignored the evidence of a growing housing bubble and turned a blind eye to the lending practices that ultimately brought down Wall Street and inflicted enormous pain on the country. Just as McLean's The Smartest Guys in the Room was hailed as the best Enron book on a crowded shelf, so will all the devils are here be remembered for finally making sense of the melt meltdown and its consequences. The Smartest Guys in the Room is an absolutely fabulous book. I so highly recommend it. If you enjoy this type of book with corporate culture run completely amok, then you will absolutely love her previous book, The Smartest Guys in the Room. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network. Also a fabulous documentary. Again, for people who don't like to read or don't have the time to listen to an audiobook, the documentary does a good job of telling the story. But if you want to get really detailed about it, The Smartest Guys in the Room is a great option. Uh, another great book about Enron, but not by McLean, is Conspiracy of Fools by Kurt Eichenwald. And again, that is a very detailed story of the demise of Enron, which was a company that never really should have existed. So, you know, people clearly, I can't get enough of these books, but I understand they're not for everyone. I mean, I like the minutia of how we ended up getting so effed over in the end. I know I lost my first media job due to the clowns who were running the show and doing a horrible job of keeping these banks in check. And as a son of a banker, I 
may have more interest, but if my dad was still alive, he'd definitely be yelling, it's going to happen again. Unfortunately, he's most likely correct because nobody was ever held responsible for the meltdown of 2008, and there weren't any safeguards put in place to prevent another disaster. So, hello, the markets are at all-time highs. Nothing keeps going up without an eventual dip. Let's hear from this week's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. We may have moved past 2020, but 2021 is still looking fairly grim. But today I'm happy to tell you about BetterHelp.com. Because if there's anything holding you back or interfering with your happiness... BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. And it's really convenient because in this current state that we live in, it just has to be. So now you can get help on your own time at, at your own pace. All you have to do is schedule a secure video or phone session, or you can chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp really is there for you. They have over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. And if, for whatever reason, you aren't happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time. So if you're suffering from depression or anxiety, stress, anger, relationship issues, heck, you're not getting a good night's sleep, or have LGBT matters, or just low self-esteem, they literally have a licensed professional counselor for you. And of course, everything you share is confidential. The thing I like the most is it's actually affordable. And Who Killed listeners get 10% off their first month with the discount code WHO. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com who. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and then you get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, for 10% off, go to betterhelp.com who. And again, there are some fabulous books about the rise and fall of Wall Street. Uh, I just finished The End of Wall Street by Roger Lowenstein. There is The Big Short, which is also a great movie uh, written by Michael Lewis. You have... Uh, Flash Boys, which is not so much about the meltdown, but it's another Michael Lewis book, but it's very, very good. Uh, highly recommend it. And then you just have a bunch of, there's a bunch of other books, Too Big to Fail, absolutely fabulous book by Ross Sorkin. And again, another great HBO movie that they actually cast extremely well. And that is a wild ride. And it's, it's crazy. I got into all these books. I don't know why. I mean, I think it does have something to do with my dad, but it is something that is very interesting and it affects all of our lives. I mean, interest rates and all that stuff, it really does impact us. So it's good to know why we are where we are, especially in All the Devils Are Here. You know, McLean goes way back and it's really a good history lesson in how decisions made way back when can turn into disasters unknowingly. It's not like he meant to make any of these people meant to make 08 happen. Like they say in Too Big to Fail, everybody was just making too much damn money. So I don't know. Again, this whole world, we're kind of in a bubble again. Housing markets are 
at all-time highs. Wall Street is at an all-time high. Uh, you know, it is, let's see, it's been 13 years since this uh, meltdown in 08. So let's be realistic and think that something may happen sooner rather than later. And when it does, I think we'll be better off than we were. But it is still a scary situation, and I don't know if it will be as disastrous again, but it certainly doesn't help that nobody was held responsible for this terrible, terrible disaster that happened to the whole entire country. I mean, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of evictions every single day. It's ridiculous. I mean, when you see this happening, and obviously the people from the big short and Steve Cohen, the greatest trade ever made book. Think about him whichever way you want. Again, they saw this happening and they shorted the industry. Therefore, they became billionaires. But it is, or millionaires in some of the cases, it still, it sucked. You're gambling with people's lives. A lot of people lost their retirement. You have people like Bernie Madoff. Wizard of Lies is a great financial crime book, which I also enjoy. So it is very interesting stuff. I think you would enjoy it. Again, it's not for everybody, but I enjoy it. I enjoy true crime. It is a crime, what they did, even though nobody went to jail. And you can ask anybody who was affected, whether they were evicted or their job was lost or their interest rates went up. Either way... They were affected and impacted by the meltdown of 2008. And Bethany McLean and Joe Nocera do a great job of wrapping it all up and putting a bow on it, as much as that bow is probably rusty and gross. Anyway, moving on. I spent a year of college, some of you know, at the University of Utah. And I also vacationed not far from where this next book took place, and that is in Michigan. So I have a personal connection to this story. And I'm talking about The King of Confidence, a tale of utopian dreamers, frontier schemers, true believers, false prophets, and the murder of an American monarch by Miles Harvey from Goodreads, the unputdownable story of the most infamous American con man you've never heard of, James Strang, self-proclaimed divine king of earth, heaven, and an island in Lake Michigan, quote, perfect for fans of the devil in the white city, quote unquote, a masterpiece, according to Nathaniel Philbrook. Goodread says, in the summer of 1843, James Strang was a charismatic young lawyer and a vowed atheist, and he vanished from a rural town in New York. Months later, he reappeared in the Midwestern frontier and converted to a burgeoning religious movement known as Mormonism. In all reality, as a Clevelander, this gentleman also spent some time in the Kent or the Kirtland area. So there is an Ohio connection to this interesting individual. But anyway, in the wake of the murder of the sex leader, Joseph Smith, Strang unveiled a letter purportedly from the prophet naming him successor and persuaded hundreds of fellow converts to follow him to an island in Lake Michigan, where he declared himself a divine king. From this stronghold, he controlled a fourth of the state of Michigan, establishing a pirate colony where he practiced 
plural marriage and perpetrated thefts, corruption, and frauds of all kinds, eventually having run afoul of powerful enemies, including the American president, Strang was assassinated, an event that became front-page news across the country. The King of Confidence tells the fascinating but largely forgotten story, centering his narrative on the charlatan's turbulent 12 years in power. Miles Harvey gets to the root of a timeless American original, the Confidence Man. Full of adventure, bad behavior, and insight into a crucial period of antebellum history, the King of Confidence provides a compulsively readable account of one of the country's boldest con man and the boisterous era that allowed him to thrive. I loved this book. Oh, it's so fantastical. It's just a story of hubris and people willing to follow some of the most questionable tales. I don't want to say anything about anything other than it makes you take a step back and look at some certain cults like actual cults <laughs> that's what this was because he had hundreds of followers he claimed to be a king and the divine power of earth i mean michigan cult life militias michigan cult life i love michigan but can't help but see that there's actually a little bit of a connection there and eh, you know just saying, just throwing it out there. Michigan, great, beautiful place, but also a very interesting cast of characters. So let's hope that um, nothing like that happens again, because that would be just crazy. Anyway, moving on. And this is actually the second time Patrick, Red, and Keefe has shown up on this list. Before he wrote The Empire of Pain, he authored the best-selling Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland. Goodreads states, In December 1972, Jean McConville, a 38-year-old mother of 10, was dragged from her Belfast home by masked intruders, her children clinging to her legs. They never saw her again. Her abduction was one of the most notorious episodes of the vicious conflict known as The Troubles. Everyone in the neighborhood knew the IRA was responsible, but in a climate of fear and paranoia, no one would speak of it. In 2003, five years after an accord brought an uneasy peace to Northern Ireland, a set of human bones was discovered on a beach. McConville's children knew it was their mother when they were told a blue safety pin was attached to the dress. With so many kids, she had always kept it handy for diapers or ripped clothes. Patrick Radden Keefe's mesmerizing book on the bitter conflict in Northern Ireland and its aftermath uses the McConville case as the starting point for a tale of society wracked by a violent guerrilla war, a war whose consequences have never been reckoned with. The brutal violence seared not only people like the McConville children, but also IRA members embittered by a peace that fell short of the goal of a united Ireland and left them wondering whether the killings they committed were not justified acts of war, but simple murders. Yeah, this is a great, great book. It ended up on so many people's top 10 lists, it's almost uh, a shame that I put it on this list because you've probably already heard of it. And if you haven't, it's uh, definitely an interesting 
shocking, disturbing account of what life was like in the days of the IRA in Northern Ireland. And if you have interests in, you know, the UK's history or the Northern Ireland history and the IRA, then I highly recommend this book to you. So definitely check out Say Nothing. And Patrick Radenkeefe, I mean, this guy, talk about taking deep dives into stories and, you know, into topics and subject matters. I mean, this guy is really the creme de la creme of writing in this day and age. The next book that I'm going to talk about on this episode is kind of like a combination of Ocean's Eleven meets The Town. And I'm talking about The Gardner Heist, the true story of the world's largest unsolved art theft by Ulrich Bozer, according to Goodreads. Quote, the true story of the world's largest unsolved art theft, the Gardner heist, is a fascinating account of a brazen and amazing criminal act, a book that could help police and investigators solve the mystery of the 1990 break-in and burglary at Boston's Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, a tantalizing whodunit, according to the Boston Globe, and a riveting, wonderful, wonderfully vivid account that takes you into the underworld of obsessed art detectives, con men, and thieves. The Gardner heist is a true crime history at its most spellbinding. So this theft remains unsolved, and people such as Whitey Bulger were thought to may have been involved. And just to connect back to the previous books that I was discussing, I want to say that the Bulger connection is interesting because they think that the art heist had something to do with the IRA, potentially. Potentially, of course. Like, maybe it was used to fund some of the arms that they were using. And again, nobody was ever brought to justice no suspect was ever named no of none of the art has ever been found and this is just a wild wild story and again it's so hard for people to keep a conspiracy like this under wraps so it leads you to crazy questions like does this mean the perpetrators were killed after they handed off their bounty or did they work for a foreign outfit where once they handed off their bounty they just blended right back into the underworld I mean, so many questions remain. And again, since the paintings have never been located, it just adds so much intrigue to this story. So The Gardner Heist, it's a quick read, great book. It's really Ocean's Eleven-esque, and I believe Netflix has a documentary about it. I've watched it. It's really good. Uh, Both the book and the doc are worthy of your time. Again, those were just some of the books that I wanted to share with you guys as a little break from the weekly murder and mayhem that I cover. So next week, I will be back with more true crime. And that's all I have for you this week. So thank you so much again for listening. I really wouldn't be here without you. Also, thank you to BetterHelp.com for sponsoring this week's episode. If you guys want to save 10%, Type my promo code WHO when you check out at BetterHelp.com. As you guys know, you can find new episodes of Who Killed every Friday, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, as well as my other shows, you can help support Slow Burn Media 
by clicking on the link in the show notes. You could also contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at BillHuffman3, or you can find me on PayPal. Every contribution, big or small, helps keep these slow burn podcasts running. And again, if you want to leave a five-star review, that also helps keep this show in the spotlight. And some of the cases that I've covered really need to be out there because they have been unsolved. So if you want to stay up to date on the cases that I have covered, as well as the new shows that are coming down the pipeline, you know you can always follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. So thank you so much again for listening. Back to true crime next week. And until then, be healthy and stay safe.
You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy, and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.